We're continuing our series on crap theology tonight. So I'm gonna ask you a series of questions and you just answer in your mind. Don't raise your hand because it could get awkward if your neighbor doesn't agree with you and then there's like condemnation and guilt and all that. So, but here's the questions. Here's the series of questions. If tonight I were to say to my wife when I get home, hey, I, uh, I, I looked lustfully at a woman today or I go home and I tell Laura, hey, uh, during lunch, I actually looked at porn and masturbated. Which do you think would offend her more? Got it? Got your answer? Clear in your mind? Didn't have to think about it long? You know which one's worse? Which one would offend her more? Okay, next question. Which one is worse? Which one would offend me more? Which one would hurt me more? Which one would I uh, feel more pain from? If, I've got a five-year-old daughter, if, if you stole a lollipop from Penny, and if you do, we will have words. If you steal a lollipop from Penny, or if someone was to kidnap, rape, and murder Penny, which one would affect me more? Feels pretty rhetorical, right? Even, even speaking those words are like uncomfortable for me. And then you might think of a third as like, okay, so who in here has lustfully looked at someone before? Show of hands, don't raise your hand. Thank you for your honesty. At least your neighbor did. That's cool, actually, that's amazing. Uh, I should have said, don't raise your hand first. I, well, frankly, everyone should raise their hand. Like everybody's been like, oh yeah, I have a heartbeat. I've looked lustfully at someone before. Um, here's one though, which one is worse? Before I was married to Laura, there was a woman who was going through a divorce and we had sex. She wasn't yet divorced, she was going through a divorce. There's a word for that, it's adultery. I committed adultery with another woman. So what's worse, looking lustfully at a woman or committing adultery in reality? Now, you, know, you might say, well, wait, didn't Jesus teach this on Sermon of the Mount? Like, even if you look lustfully at a person, you've committed adultery in your heart? Yes, what he's saying is, is both are sin, but, but I'd ask you to, reason in your mind. Which one is worse? The fact that I committed adultery in reality, in life, or that you looked lustfully. In each one of those examples, there is a worse sin. It's binary. There is, there is a greater and a lesser sin in each one of those that I presented to you. Laura would clearly recognize which one was worse. I can easily tell you which one is worse if you commit one of those offenses against my daughter. And I think you can rationalize in your mind, like, yes, I've lusted, but I've not actually gone through with it and committed physical adultery like John just said he did. So the reason why I share that is because tonight we're continuing this series on crap theology. And the crap theology that we're gonna deconstruct tonight and then put forth truth is something that I think all of us have heard and probably most of us have said. And it's this, that all sin is equal. All sin is equal. Now, I think with a lot of the crap theology that we've taught, we're like, oh, that's good. Somebody ought to teach a right view on that. And on this one, it may be personal. And you're like, no, no, no. That's something I just put on, on Instagram or tweeted. Like, that's something I deeply believe in my heart. You're telling me that my sin is worse than someone else's? And I would say, I'm not. God is. All sin is not equal. So, all sin is sin. You're gonna see some of this on the screen. All sin is sin. And even if you disagree with me, please don't walk out, but stay with me. All sin is sin, but not all sin is equal. 
And it's really important. Because I think some of it's well-meaning, right? Like you're sitting across the room from someone there at the table and they're unpacking, they're deep, dark, and ugly. And what you're trying to do is make them feel better. Like, hey, I'm a sinner too. And so you say, hey, well, all, all sin is equal. Or maybe um, some particular person's got some flavor of sin and you don't want to feel them, they don't want to feel condemned. And it's like, well, hey, all sin is equal. There's various motives and reasons that this phrase gets tossed out, but it is in reality crap theology. It is antithetical to what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that all sin is sin, but not all sin is equal, that there are varying degrees of sin. And it's important because what we're doing in that moment is we're diminishing the sinfulness of sin. It's not that bad. Steal a lollipop, kidnap, rape, and murder a girl. All sin, it's all it's all the same, right? No, it's not all the same. We know that in our human, rational mind with fallen justice, let alone the utmost holiness of God and his justice. So we diminish sin by saying that. And the other thing that we diminish is the holiness of God. Well, he's not gonna hold that strict of a standard, right? I mean, we're all sinners. All sin's equal. So we're diminishing the holiness of God, the sinfulness of sin. And what that does is that just creates more license for us because right belief creates right behavior. Orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. And heterodoxy, wrong teaching, wrong belief, leads to heteropraxy. A wrong belief leads to wrong action. And so this really matters. In case you're like, dude, why are you picking a fight? Why are you gonna bring this up? Because it really, really matters. And so Paul writes to the Romans and he's like, hey, if, if grace abounds, should we sin all the more? By no means. He's telling us like your sin really matters. The holiness of God really matters. And it really matters that we repent and follow Christ and that we live according to the word. And so that's where we're gonna go today. Because Jesus spoke gravely about sin. Now he also speaks graciously all the more about grace. He says that the Holy Spirit came to convict the world of sin and guilt. The Spirit's job is to convict us of sin and guilt, not so that we would be condemned, but so that we would be convicted and fall upon Christ and find forgiveness of Him. Now, here's the thing. Because if we diminish this, there, there's, there's something in my life. Like if I... If I uh, if I pound Oreos two weeks in a row, um, they're probably not gonna ask me like, hey, you probably shouldn't lead Regen tonight. They would probably just be like, what's the deal with Oreos? Like, why, you run into comfort for them? Like, you've eaten 12 a night for two weeks? Like, one, uh, drop the bag, and two, go run. If I drink a fifth of scotch every night for two weeks, I guarantee you I will not be standing on this stage. Now, I'm not gonna be shunned out of the church, but I will be shepherded. My, my team, my community, Laura would be like, hey, something's off. There, there is a varying degree between Oreos and Doers, which was the scotch of choice back in the day. There's a, there's a difference. And so it really matters. Now, you're gonna fall in one of two places. Some of you are like feeling super convicted right now. You may be feeling ashamed like, Dude, I can't believe this. I came here to a recovery ministry to try to find hope and healing. And this guy's just gonna rub my nose in it and tell me that my sin is worse than somebody else's. And I want you to know you are not worse 
You could not be more wrong. You are not worse than anyone else. And some of you, the other half of that side, are thinking like, dude, I didn't commit adultery. Sure, I've lusted, but I'd never go through with it. I haven't committed adultery. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a porn addict. In fact, I don't even know why I'm here. I just came to bring my buddy because he needs recovery, not me. Welcome. You're self-righteous. They're going to say, so why are you here tonight? You can say, well, that guy on stage says it's because I'm self-righteous. And you think you're safe and you're dead wrong. You couldn't be more wrong either. Both are wrong. The one who thinks he's worse than everybody else and the one who thinks they're better than everybody else, you're both wrong. And there's really good news that's going to come tonight through Jesus. Sorry, my voice is dry. So here's where we're going tonight. You'll see it on the screen. All sin is not equal. There's little sin and there's greater sin and they are not equal to one another. Now, the second point is that whether it's little sin or great sin, the payment is the same. That's huge. That's Jesus. The payment, no matter what your sin is, is the same. Not all sin is the same, but the payment is the same. And then thirdly, big sin, which is greater than little sin, leads to greater love than little love. And that's incredible, which is good news for all. So that's where we're going tonight. Point one, little sin is not equal to great sin. Sin is not equal. I'll tell you a story. So two, two stories. One, I was driving through Dallas. I think it was off Walnut Hill in 75. I'm late going to like my ministry internship, talking on the phone with Laura, scratch that, fighting on the phone with Laura and you, you, like, please pull me over. That was the worst siren noise ever. Whoop, whoop. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm broken seminary. I don't have money for a ticket. And he's like, what's the rush? And I'm like, oh, I am driving to my job. I may have dropped in there. I'm in seminary. I'm going to my ministry internship to my pastor's house. And I was fighting with my girlfriend. And no joke, the guy says, you a man of the cloth? And I didn't even know what that meant. And I'm like, Yeah. I think you're like saying Old Testament or you're a priest. Um, I didn't unpack, hey, kingdom of priests, every believer is trusting in Jesus. I was like, yes. And he's like, you need to get safely where you're going. Appreciate what you do. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Let me off the hook. Thank you. Another time I was driving to a funeral. That's kind of noble, right? Somebody's dad dies, you're driving to the funeral. You guys do it. Somebody do a police siren for me. <laughs> nice. Ah, that might have sucked more than mine. But uh, um, that sin was worse than yours. Me saying that yours sucked. Like, that's, that was worse. See? Perfect example. Pulls me over, and uh, I was in a new, new to me, used car. He's like, license? And I think uh, my driver's license, he's like, is this your current address? I was like, No. He's like, uh, insurance, proof of insurance? I was like, oh, um, I don't have my insurance paper. He's like, okay. I noticed your inspection's out. I was like, yeah. Uh, well, because the insurance, and he's like, whose car is this? I'm like, well, it's my car. He's like, I just ran the plates. They're coming up under a different owner. And I was like, well, I, because I haven't gotten it registered yet with the insurance and inspection thing. And he's like, uh-huh. 
I mean, oh, oh, and P.S., I was going 50 over. I forgot to leave that up. That's why I got pulled over. So 50 over, which I think is like felony almost, that was like some whole new category of ticket I had never experienced monetarily. And then all those things on top of it. I mean, it was a bloodbath of a ticket. Over $500 for that ticket. They were much different in degree. The police officer in that moment, those two police officers were like, seven over, quit fighting with your girlfriend, get where you're going, thanks for doing ministry. The other one was like, I don't care who you are or where you're going, this is horrible. There was a greater offense. There was a greater offense there. And that minister of justice clearly could see it. Not all sin is equal. They're different in depravity, uh, the depravity of the sin. They're different in the temporal or earthly consequences. And they are different in eternal judgment, the way that God sees them. Now, asterisk. Judgment if you're not under Christ. For those who are in Christ, you will receive no judgment. For the believer in Christ, this life is as much hell as you will ever see. And for the unbeliever, this is as much heaven as they will ever see, which is terrifying. No condemnation for those who are in Christ. But there is difference and offense against the holiness of God. So in case you're like, dude, I am not tracking. Let's look at the Old Testament and then we're gonna look at the new because I don't want you to take my word for this. Um, we just have this discussion elsewhere and it's a, it's a bit of a lightning rod topic and I'm sure some of you are feeling that turmoil within right now. And so I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want you to take God's word for it. So here in Leviticus, Leviticus 4.27, it says, if you sin unintentionally, like, oops, I didn't mean to do that, but... I'm reading the word of God. That's actually a sin. It says, go offer a goat. Pretty insignificant amount of money in that day and age. And today, here's a cabrito. Thanks. Sorry, I've sinned. Didn't mean to. Leviticus 6.4, it says, if you sin by robbery. Now that's intentional. You've got something I want. I steal it. It says in the law, in Leviticus 6.4, you have to restore it, like give back to them what you have owed and add one-fifth to it. So 20%. So you owe five bucks, you give back the five, you give them a dollar on top of that, and you've also sinned against God. So go take a ram, not just a goat, but a ram, which would have been a greater quantity and quality at that point in time. Go offer that at the tabernacle. And then Leviticus 20, 27, it says, if someone is a medium or a necromancer, meaning somebody who conjures up spirits, it says, stone them to death. And it's like, whoa, that escalated quickly. We went from goat to like crow hopping stones into the side of someone's head until they die. God, that's pretty serious. From I stole five bucks to I played with a Ouija board and now we're killing someone. And it's because there's such an offense against the holiness of God that can also spread to the people of God. And so there's a severity there. All sins are not equal. You see it in the Old Testament. You look in the New Testament. I'm going to give you a few examples. Jesus in Matthew 18, 6 through 7. Um, he's talking about everybody's going to sin. That's just the fallen state of the world. But he says, woe to the one through whom temptation comes. It would be better for him to have a great millstone. A millstone is a huge cylindrical piece that they would put two and two together and grind. I mean, I've seen one in Israel. They're like six feet. You couldn't lift it, no chance. 
You tie this around someone's neck, a millstone, like they're dead in seconds. It's gonna pull them to the depths of the sea. It would be better for a great millstone to be fastened around his neck. Woe to the world for who temptations come. For it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom. They're the means or the medium by which this is who they came through. It says everybody's gonna sin. You lead somebody into sin, it'd be better than a millstone be tied around your neck. Now, what that's not saying is like, hey, if you've led someone to sin, it's better that you die, you should commit suicide. He's saying there's a severity there. He's drawing out with hyperbole. If you lead someone else into sin. So, in another translation, it might say, woe to you boyfriends who are leading your girlfriends into sin. It would be better that a millstone be tied around your neck. Woe to you who have drugs at your house, light the joint and hand it to someone else. Like the means by which the sin comes. He says there's a greater judgment there. Also, so that's leading others into sin. First Corinthians 6 is gonna call out sexual sin. You see sexual sin in a different category in the Old Testament. Here now in the New, Paul writes by the Spirit, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. They're different in kind, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. In 1 Thessalonians 4, it's talking about sexual sin as well. And he says, whoever rejects this counsel does not reject man. Like you're not rejecting me if I give you that counsel about sexual purity. You're rejecting God, the Spirit. And it says, God will avenge men for all such sins. That's written to the church. He's saying there will be discipline that will happen if you sin sexually in that way. So there's a different category there. That language is used for sexual sin. Teaching a false gospel. So teaching something other than the truth. And in fact, like here's why I take the pains to teach this tonight. And I know that there are people in this room, 50% that would say all sin is equal. You're crazy. And I know there's others that have feel the other way. And hopefully by the time we leave the room, per the word of God, we're all gonna say, no, not all sin is equal. But James 3.1, and the reason why I'm running in to scripture and filling this with scripture, it says that not everyone should presume to be teachers because you know that teachers will be held to a stricter judgment. God's saying like, hey, you have studied and know the word of God. And because of that, I... John Elmore will be held to a stricter judgment. And so in Luke 12, 47 through 48, he says, the one who knows the will of the master and doesn't do it will receive a severe beating. But the one who didn't know the, the master of the will and didn't do it will receive a lighter beating. And so disobedience, if you didn't know, and disobedience, if you do know, there's different degrees of discipline there. So teaching a false gospel, it says in Galatians 1.8, this is never used anywhere else in the New Testament. And you would think in this case about um, all the other ways that every other religion can tell you, this is the way you go to heaven. You just balance your life of good and evil on the scales before Allah. You trust in Jesus plus good works, Joseph Smith, Mormonism. Jesus wasn't always God, created being. Jehovah's Witness. 
Hinduism, like live a good life. You'll be reincarnated, then live a good life. You'll be reincarnated. At some point, you'll be absorbed into Brahman. There's all these different false gospels, false good news. It says, but even if we or an angel from heaven, ironic that the angel Moroni is who told Joseph Smith and that an angel appeared to Muhammad who gave him the Quran, even if an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Now, Paul, inspired by the Spirit, says the same thing back to back. He says it twice, as if you would miss that language, but taken with such severity. That accursed language is not used elsewhere. There is a stricter, there is a greater level of sin for proclaiming a false, false gospel. And let's put prosperity gospel in there with it. Matthew eleven twenty four. greater judgment for greater revelation. Jesus is walking, performing miracles amidst Judea there in Israel. And he says, it will be better for Sodom in the day of judgment than it is for you, Bethsaida and Chorazim and these other biblical lands. He's like, it'll be better for Sodom than you. It will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for Sodom, the city that was destroyed by hellfire and brimstone and wiped off the face of the earth, never built again, the one that is held up as the epitome of depravity. It'll be better for these biblical towns that you can still find the ruins today. They still exist in some form. It'll be more tolerable for Sodom than new cities because you had greater revelation. The Son of God, God in flesh, walked among you, performed miracles, dead were raised, blind received sight, sick were healed, sins were forgiven, and you still rejected him it'll be more tolerable for them because they had a lesser revelation. So there's a greater sin because there was a greater rejection after a greater revelation. And unless there's anyone right now that's feeling condemned, like, man, and it's me. I'm in the sexual sin category. Like, that's me, John Elmore. I tell people I never struggled with porn and masturbation. I didn't struggle with it. I loved it. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't struggle with that. I never tried to quit it. I'm like, this is amazing. You just pull this up on the internet at any time? Incredible. There's zero conviction there. I am replete with sexual sins of strip clubs, a prostitute, adultery, brought pornography into a relationship once. Like, I'm not throwing stones at anybody. I'm saying I'm the foremost. So unless you're feeling condemned or maybe not yet being like, man, where's my part in this? Because I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Luke 18, 9 through 14. There are those who are self-aware and there are those who are self-righteous and there is nowhere in between. So to the self-righteous, he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing beside himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, the unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. <laughs> I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes up to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man 
went down to his house justified rather than the other. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus' strongest words, his strongest rebukes, his strongest condemnation were reserved for the Pharisees who believed that they were right because of what they did and what they hadn't done. And to them, he called them sons of hell, vipers, serpents, hypocrites, fools, open graves. They were the condemned ones because they were not self-aware of their sins, but they were self-righteous in their sin was greater, greater. So clearly not all sin is equal in God's eyes. However, God never, ever leaves us there. Because again, this is not for condemnation. It's for conviction by the Holy Spirit that we would throw ourselves upon the grace of Christ, be forgiven, and in being forgiven, be transformed, like made altogether new, never be the same. That the old would pass, the new would come, and all of this is from Christ. And so point two is little sin or big sin, the payment is the same. Regardless of whether it's a little or large sin, the payment required is the same. Earlier today, we're at the coffee shop right outside here. Team walks up, everybody minus Lois because she wasn't drinking coffee, even though she had five coffee mugs on her desk, which was clearly an addiction problem. I'm like, you want any coffee? She's like, no, I'm good. I'm like, clearly you have five mugs on your desk. But the rest of us go down there. And Bryce is like, uh, I'll have a medium drip. I was like, that's just the cheap, hard, straight stuff. That's what Bryce, that's how he rolls. Sierra walks up and she's like, I'll take an Americano center style. Which I thought, well, that's weird. What do they do? Put a shot of whiskey in it? Like why center style? Like what does that mean? Uh, it's C-I-N-N-E-R. Like I think there's like cinnamon on top of it. It sounds horrible. She likes it anyway. And then Colby walks up and he says, um, I right, give, give me, give me, the, give me our drink. And it's, uh, let me get this right. It is an oat milk vanilla latte. Pretty fancy. And the price tag, to pre- someone just said, oh my God. <laughs> I know, what a pansy. <laughs> Except usually I say, yeah, give me that too. Because it's amazing. And if you've never had it, get one tonight. It's like candy in a cup, but they've charged you for it. It's like Bryce's is cheap, his is more, but here's the thing. All of them are varying degrees of price, but I walk up in my great generosity, just kidding, it was on the region tab, and I was like, hey, it's on me. And I covered the tab. No matter what they ordered, they all had different prices. They were all indebted in different ways to the coffee shop, but the payment was made by me. I covered it. And they couldn't have walked up afterwards and Colby couldn't have said, hey, uh, look, I know that I get that that weird kind of pansy drink and there was shots of vanilla, oat bran instead of just saying whatever, oat milk. Uh, Can I give you a little extra? They'd be like, no, he paid for it. It's paid in full. We, We can't, we actually ethically cannot take your money. There's nothing to ring up. It's paid, it's paid in full, it's done. I know you got a more expensive drink, it's done. And so it is with your sin, no matter what it is, no matter what you're sitting there thinking like, oh my goodness, my inventory is going to be 20 pages. It'll never end. I could never, I'm 60 years old. You want me to go back and think of everything? My inventory is so great. It's like, 
paid in full. It's done. The payment's the same, whether it's a little or a lot, whether you're doing student regen right over there and they've only had a certain amount of years that they've even been in existence to sin or somebody like me that's about to turn 45. I'm like, dude, I've been sinning for a long time. The payment is the same. And so I want to depict this. It's, it's Romans 6.23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. It doesn't, it doesn't delineate what your wages are and how much and, well, did you sin a lot or a little? The payment's the same. You're going to get death, but the free gift of God, the payment, is eternal life. Not many paths up the mountain. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the answer. So no matter what you have done, Jesus covers it all. And I, and I want to show you, by, I'm a visual learner, so here it is. Let's say this is Mother Teresa. Got three sheets of paper here. And, and look, I don't know. I didn't know Mother Teresa. She seems like a pretty good lady. So maybe this, and I think she had trusted in Jesus with the way she lived her life. There was, there was fruit there. God only knows. But for example's sake, she's like always thrown out as the epitome of goodness, right? Like, well, I'm not Mother Teresa, but I'm no Hitler. So here it is. Maybe she struggled with some spiritual pride, right? I think it's possible. I mean, she wasn't without sin, so there it is. There's spiritual pride. It gets about that high up off the ground there. Maybe she also uh, struggled with some works-based righteousness. Like, she not only thought she was better, but like, hey, God, like, I'm pretty good. Like, you, you owe me for this one. I moved to Calcutta and I live with lepers. Like, that's pretty awesome. And then, and then there's this one. Uh, which is probably the worst of them all. This is, this is her choice in fashion, and it was horrible. Uh, so there's that. I don't know what's same clothes every day. Like, come on, get a little variety. But then there's, uh, that's Mother Teresa's. Here, here's mine. Um, well, you know what? Let's go somebody else first. Let's go, let's go Jeffrey Dahmer. You guys know about Jeffrey Dahmer? He was a twisted dude. He, um, he kidnapped people pretty solid as far as sin goes. And then he would drug them. So he would kidnap them and drug them. He'd bring them back to his apartment, drug them. Um, Then he would kill them, 15 of them. Some say 17. It's hard to decide because he put their bodies in vats of acid. So it's a little hard to determine, 15 to 17. Pretty big deal. After they were dead, he dismembered them. And didn't stop there, he ate them. That's pretty intense. Now, nobody in your right mind would say all sins are equal at this point. Bad fashion and spiritual pride and, and that. Like, that, that's a pretty broad range, right? Like, that's, that's different and kind. And then, and then I think, uh, so, I don't, look, I'm not trying to, there's Mother Teresa. You can't even see hers off the ground. So, here's like my alcohol addiction. I mean, that was like 12 years there's, there's, I mean, I, I keep stacking. There's, there's weed, there's pills. There's everything I told you about my sexual sin in the past, not to mention pride and people pleasing and living like a chameleon. I mean, just like, it was a train wreck. So there's, there's mine. And um, here's the deal. All of them, though different, their, their sins vary in degree. They're not equal, but all of them require the same payment. So Mother Teresa As God looks down, he sees sin. He sees Jeffrey Dahmer's sin. He sees my sin. He sees Mother Teresa's sin. And the payment required for each one of them is the same. So Mother Teresa, in all her goodness and and lack of sin, because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I have lived a more sinful life than Mother Teresa. I just, 
know it by sheer reputation. Her still has to be covered by the blood of Christ. It is required. Mother Teresa has been separated from God by her sin, and she necessitates the blood of Christ for forgiveness. And certainly, I know that I do. I, my sin demands the blood of Christ to forgive me of my sins. But then there's that. It's like, man, I don't, I don't, <clears throat> Jeffrey Dahmer, like, I'm not sure that one can be covered, gets covered. Yes, it's coverable. And as God looks down, some people are like, well, all I see is a, you know, an eight and a half by 11. It, it's, not, it's not the case. There are greater offenses here. These, these reach up higher in offense to God and yet all of them merit the same forgiveness. And so here it is. It says in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. I hit about, you know, five out of seven on that list. But he never leaves us there. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. And so here what I would say is that it's not how great your sin is. It's about how great your savior is because no matter how high your stack is, whether you got a little Mother Teresa stack or a stack like mine or Dahmer's or, or a Pharisee stack that reaches up to heaven, they can all be covered by the blood of Christ that whoever believes in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins has crossed over from death to life, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, your spirit, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If you've been covered by the blood of Christ, there's no condemnation, no matter what you've done, who you've been, the past is the past forgiven, period, paid in full, done covered, and Jesus gets all the glory. <clears throat> so not all sin is equal, but the payment is the same. The payment is equal. So what? So what based on that? And here's what Jesus has to say. This is amazing. He says, the greater the sin, and you'll see it on the screen, greater sin equals greater love. Now, that doesn't mean that you should go out and just blow it out tonight by sinning a lot so that it can result in a lot of love for God. What it is, is an awareness of your own sinfulness. And when you're aware of your own sinfulness, and then you're aware of his forgiveness, it results in this overflowing love, appreciation, adoration, glorification of God, where you're like, oh my goodness, I know who I was apart from you. I know what I was capable of. I know what I did. I know my secret thoughts. I know what I did when I was alone. I know what I did when I was in public. I know what I did with that girl when she was unconscious. I know what I did in that clinic. I know what I did when that life should still be living. I know what I did full well. And oh my goodness, you forgave me. And it results in love, 
greater sin results in greater love, not my words, Jesus. Jesus says, a certain moneylender, he's having dinner, by the way. He's having dinner at a Pharisee's house. Jesus longed for the Pharisees to come to repentance. He wasn't out just to like sucker punch them. He wanted them to come to repentance too. And after the resurrection, many of them did. But he's sitting at Simon, or Simeon, Simon, the Pharisee's house. And he says, in, in Simon, it's, it's really funny and amazing. It shows the deity of Christ. So he's there. Sorry, I'm going long. Uh, sorry, not sorry. And Simon's there at his house. And then there's a woman of ill repute. And the woman of ill repute is weeping at his feet, washing his feet with her tears and wiping off the dirt and mud of the tears and the dust with her hair taking on that onto herself. And Simon in his heart is like, if this man was a prophet, like he says he is, surely he would know who that is, this woman of ill repute. It says Jesus, perceiving his thoughts, he knew what Simon was thinking because he's God in flesh. The God who would then die on the cross, be buried, raise again from the dead, the savior of the world, perceiving his thoughts says this, like, Simon, Simon, let me, let me ask you a question. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, so both couldn't pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered. The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, he's now pointing to her, you can imagine. Her sins, she's on her knees weeping. Her sins, which are many, Sins are not equal, which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. He's telling him, like, you think you don't have great sin? You don't love much. She knows her sin. She knows her own depravity. And so she is just like throwing herself upon the mercy of God. And so a greater awareness of sin results in a greater awareness of love for those who have been forgiven. I've had people buy my lunch. I just know I have over the course of my life. And I don't remember all their names and I don't remember all their instances because it's kind of insignificant. It's like you bought me Chipotle, I don't know, it was seven bucks, nine if I got guacamole, not a big deal. There's another person in my life, two people that I will never forget until the day I die because they came to me one night when I was broke and felt called to go to seminary because I thought I was gonna spend the, leave business spend the rest of my life telling other people about Jesus. Like, hey, um, we feel like we're supposed to pay for seminary. And I thought they meant that semester. And I was like, oh, that's, that's amazing. I didn't know how I was going to come up with that 2,000 bucks. And they're like, oh, no, like all of it, which is $50,000 that they're like, no, we're going to pay for your seminary degree. We think you should go for that degree. We know it costs that much. Tell us how much every semester. And which one do you think I love more? The one who did that, that debt, or like the lunch that I can barely even remember. There was a greater debt and, and out of a result, it's like this amazing love. And that is us. If we're, if we're aware of our $50,000 debt of sin, and I'm speaking metaphorically now, like this huge, heinous amount of sin, it results in love and amazement and awe of our God. So you remember um, Dahmer, right? So Dahmer in prison for 15 life sentences. 
There's a man named Roy Ratcliffe from Matador, Texas, traveling preacher. He finds out about Dahmer, goes to visit him in jail, presents the gospel to Dahmer, Jeffrey, because of your sin, you deserve hell, death and hell forever. But Jesus, the son of God, who lived a sinless life, came to die for sinners like you, that whoever would believe on him For the death he died on the cross, his burial and resurrection, whoever would place their faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins will not perish but have everlasting life. Jeffrey Dahmer said, quote, I believe and confess Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Jeffrey Dahmer was bludgeoned to death three months later in the weight room in prison. But I believe... He is in heaven as a trophy of the blood of Christ and the forgiveness of sins. And as Paul said, the unlimited patience and mercy that is on display of him, the chief of sinners, that we could conceive of the most heinous, horrific crime and say, yes, no one, no one is beyond the reach of Jesus. Forgiveness is extended to the most horrific and the most self-righteous that Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Forgiveness extended to all. Jeffrey Dahmer accepted Jesus as a Lord and Savior. And so the question is not how big is your stack? It's not how big is your stack. It's is your stack covered? Is your stack covered? And if it's covered, it should lead to love. Love for the Lord and love for others. Because you who are forgiven much, loves much. And furthermore, if your stack is covered, you proclaim your past. Your past becomes your platform in which you proclaim the forgiveness of Christ. It's nothing you're ashamed of but rather your past becomes your platform to proclaim Jesus. Because here's the deal, every single person in this world is a sinner condemned unless they have placed their faith in Jesus. And so all you have to do is get on common ground and say, hey, can I tell you something? Can I tell you about my sin? Which gives you the avenue to talk about your savior. Because every single person you encounter is either a sinner or a sinner saved by grace. So you'll either get to tell someone the hope of everlasting life or encourage someone who already has it. And so your past, if covered in Christ, becomes your platform to proclaim him. May we do that with the rest of our lives. And lastly, if your platform is uncovered, then tonight's your night. Why would you delay anymore? But rather, even now, to close your eyes and say, God, I am a sinner in need of a savior. And tonight, I place my faith in Jesus to forgive me of my sins to cover the height and horror of my sin. 
I confess that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I give you my life. Send the Holy Spirit to dwell within me. I am yours. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Y'all, clearly there's a lot to discuss tonight. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll try to post these notes online on Instagram or something. All glory to God. Thank you.